This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today, we've got Lucas Piper on here, and Lucas is going to tell us all about his experience with real estate investing in the Austin area and how he's crushing it with Airbnb and also helping others do the same. Hey, Lucas, how are you? Hey, Jordan. How you doing, man? Good to see you, buddy. It's good to see you, too. Crushing it. Gotta love those words, man. Yeah. No, everybody knows. Um, so real quick, could you tell us who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing in the Austin area? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, and thanks for having me on, man. Uh, means a lot. Um, yeah, so I, uh, my name is Lucas Piper. Um, I, uh, in terms of real estate uh, and investing, you know, primarily, as, as you mentioned, I'm in the, the short-term rental space. <clears throat> so, um, vacation home rentals and what that looks like is a combination of ownership. Um, and we'll get into obviously digging into all these, but, but ownership and, um, managing for other people, uh, as well as rent arbitrage. Um, so those are kind of the models that I work on. And then, you know, uh, it doesn't have to necessarily be short-term. I also do, you know, 30 plus day rentals, which now, we have a term for it. We call it a long short because they didn't know what to call it. It's like a midterm rental. So, so that's something that's, you know, 30 plus day furnished. So it could be 30 days, could be 90, could be longer. Um, so that's kind of the space that I'm in. Um, and then I'll also, you know, invest in, in other things that come across the path. So um, wholesale deals, uh, you know, um, always, always keeping my eye out for some fun stuff. So yeah, you have an interesting wholesale story that, that I'd love to hear about on this podcast. So I've been trying to get Lucas here on the podcast for a while. He kept saying, wait, just wait a little bit, just wait a little bit. Um, and you tell him the reason why we were waiting. Well, yeah, I wanted to be I wanted to be a full-time investor by then, you know. So I was still at my W-2 and you know, just just starting to kind of build up to the point uh, where I wanted to be. COVID was a, a rough year for a lot of us in the short-term rental space. And so I had planned to to leave earlier and kind of had to put the brakes on and realize what was best for, for my family and I. Um, and, um, and so, you know, as this is approaching and you're asking me, I'm like, man, just hold off, you know, just give me, give me a couple of months here. And, and then I can tell that story of what that looked like for me of having something on my, you know, my goal list for, for three years and being really intentional about trying to build my life um, to where I could leave that W2 um, and replace that income with, you know, with real estate investing. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Cause that's what so many people want to do too. So many people are like, Hey, I don't like my job. Don't want to work for somebody else. How do I get from A to Z, which is quitting your job and working full-time in real estate. And you've absolutely done that. Yeah, it's um, it's it's really interesting thinking about that, Jordan. Uh, Jordan, like just the journey through that all, you know, um, of 
you know, and we'll, we'll go through the story, but just, just wanting, just like, okay, I just want a house. I just want a primary care, like primary house that I can, you know, somehow, uh, not pay my entire mortgage. <laughs> you know, that was, that was, that was where it was like my first thing. And then, you know, joining the mastermind groups that you and I are a part of, um, and, and being, you know, all of a sudden surrounded by these guys that are just, you know, as your words, crushing it and yeah. doing things at a really high level and, and thinking, man, you know, like I might be able to do that. Um, and then having to dig through limiting beliefs and, you know, go through really like my money template and, like how I was raised and why I thought about money in a certain way and investing in a certain way. So it really just has been a journey. Um, you know, so, some, some great parts, some really hard parts, some, a lot of lessons for sure. Um, but you know, and, and I'm sure there's going to be, you know, a hundred more too. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I definitely don't have this all figured out, but, um, I have figured out a niche that it works for me right now and it's going really well. And, and it's, ex- again, like you said, so many people want this to, to leave their W2 and really excited that, that that's part of my story. <clears throat> yeah, that's awesome. And I think, you know, a lot of it's just taking action. Um, right before we started this call, I was doing a video about taking action. So many things in life are not that hard but you've made them in your head to be this thing that's just mm. almost impossible. So you don't even try. But then when you start trying, you're like, oh, I want to buy a house and not pay all of my mortgage. Why yeah. Call a lender. And then I have to call a realtor. Then I have to go look at a few houses. People do that for fun. And then you have to put some offers on some houses, which you don't have to do anything. Your realtor does it all for you. And I think in just that's just an example that so many times we make all these things so hard in our head. And, you know, same as you, I think masterminds for myself, we're, we're both in the GoBundance mastermind and you see all these people running multiple companies and doing all this cool stuff. And you're like, man, he, he's not a rocket scientist. Right. I can, I can do that. You know, if, if he can do it, I can do it. I think so much of that when you break down those beliefs that it's so hard to do these things because you see all the other people doing these things it's so easy to just start taking those steps and doing these things. Yeah. I want to just pull up a, a, a text from today. Cause I, I, you know, a lot of people now, you know, text, reach out via Facebook. I'm sure it happens to you. Just, you know, how, what was your first step or how did you get there? You know? Mm-hmm. And I had someone today that I was messaging with and they're like, well, I want a hundred thousand dollars passive income per year. <laughs> like, Cool. Like, how, like, you know, and he's like, well, how do I start that process? And it's like, well, you know, that, that might be a journey, but you know, my, my things for him to start, I said, one, pick a podcast and start listening to it. You know, recommended bigger pockets. He's a guy from our mastermind. Right. And obviously the, probably the most popular one, uh, meet with a real estate agent, which you just, which you just mentioned, um, meet with a lender to see what you qualify for. He wants his, wants his first house and to house hack that. And then join a mastermind group that helps you understand investing. Like that's the four tips that I gave him of like, here, here's what you can do. And I was like, dude, you can do this by Friday. Yeah. Right. Like those things could be done by Friday to start that process. Like hit up an agent or, or five of them and they'll, they'll all give you a call back, you know, hit up a lender, find a mastermind. That's great. And, and press click. I'm going to join, you know, it's like, th- those are really, really simple things to do, but 
like you said, if you don't know how or you're nervous, you know, those things could take forever. Like it could be a year. Like, hey, I'm thinking about talking to an agent. I don't think I have enough money, you know. Yeah. Um, I was on a podcast yesterday with Diego and, um, you know, he was part of my story of he was he was my agent to get into the house, with, which was my first Airbnb. <clears throat> and that's what we were talking through is just like. I just didn't know what to do or how to do that. Right. And it was just sitting down with him of just saying like, well, man, and you already got enough money down, you know, you're going to qualify, just meet with a lender. Uh, and then you don't have to pay the mortgage all by yourself. If you don't want, you can house hack or you can Airbnb or you can do something different. It's like, Oh, there's a light bulb. Um, and that was all I needed. Then it's like after that process, like we were looking at houses within two weeks, I think after we sat down for that lunch. So nice. Yeah, man. I mean, I really think that a lot of it just, it's not the smartest thing to do always once you get into, let's say, much bigger deals where you're trying to do a lot of stuff, but shoot first and ask questions later. Yeah. You know, if you meet with a lender and meet with a realtor and then put an offer on a house, that that's not irreversible stuff that you can just never come back from. Correct. Um, we have an option period here in Texas. You can back out. Maybe you'll lose a few hundred bucks. If you didn't analyze the deal correctly, that deal's just not going to work, but it's not going to yep. bankrupt you. It's not the end of the world. 100%. It's a great point. Just go out and do stuff. In real estate, there's so many contingencies to help you if you end up in a bad situation right off the bat. But like you said, uh, get on bigger pockets, listen to bigger pockets, listen to some episodes, understand what other people are doing. If you can find a good mastermind to join, join a mastermind that you're going to be further than you ever imagined so quickly just by taking mm -hmm. steps like that. It's all just going to happen after that. Start networking and you're good. Yeah, man. So um, obviously you're involved with real estate investing in a multitude of ways. So I know you do a lot of Airbnb and you do a lot of uh, short, long-term rentals, what you were calling them. I call them medium. Long shorts. Long shorts. Uh, yeah, that's a better description. I guess when I say it's slow like that, then I just think about like 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 you're wearing long shorts. But it's I guess it depends how you say it. Yeah, a long short. Yeah. You say it like that. It sounds real professional. And you also do this. You help other people do this same thing. So you manage short and, and long short. Yeah. For other people. Yeah, I mean, the majority of my portfolio is is managing for others. So I only own two of my own properties. I have three arbitrages and then, you know, I have 10, 10 other properties that, that I'm managing for others. Um, and so, um, you know, the, you, you, the perfect example is, is you know, one of your um, clients that you introduced to me, right, is he, uh, he bought a house in Austin because he thought it was a good idea, which... 99% of the times it is. <laughs> yeah. And um, it wasn't a, a fabulous place, older place, wasn't the most expensive piece of property in Austin by any means. And, and, you know, he wanted to be able to travel the world and run his company and do that from wherever he wanted. And so when you introduced him to me, you know, he was trying to figure out what that would look like. And the cash flow didn't look very good long term. And more importantly, when he came back into Austin, then he didn't have a place to stay and he wanted Austin to still be home. So, you know, what I'm able to do, you know, from my model being a little bit more concierge um, than maybe like a bigger like Facasa or, you know, it's a huge rental company is say, okay, meet, meet that client where they're at. Well, you know, how, how often are you going to want this Airbnb? Um, what do you want that to look like? Can we get a, can we get a license for a short-term rental? 
-hmm. We can't get a license. Okay, well then let's do 30 plus day rental on it. So um, I've been able to do um, a number of those and get really, really nice cash flow off those. So, you know, I, we haven't said his name. So do you know what, um, what that property, what he bought it for? Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't know off the top of my head. I want to say 260. 260. Yeah. So, so 260. So let's just say, you know, let's just generalize his mortgage around like what, like 1700, 1800. I mean, obviously money down, there's all sorts of variables, but like, let's just say it's between 1500 and 2000. Right. Um, so we're doing 4,100 a month off that, uh, with 30 plus day rentals right now. And that's not a luxury place. It's really not, you know, there's a lot of issues with it. We've run into a lot of stuff and yet, you know, we're, we're able to continuously get people in in there and with my management style and the relationship building with the, you know, with the guests that go in there, um, we're able to still get some really great reviews and people are really happy with the product that we're giving them. So, you know, that's a great example of someone now being able to live their dream. You know, I think he's in, I don't even know where he is. Like last time I talked to him, he was somewhere in Asia. Yeah. I think he's going to Europe. Like, you know, he's, he's all over the world right now and he's cash flowing, you know, at a really, really nice rate. And then he's going to come back in December and he's going to live there for a couple of months and make Austin home again until he does that again. So, I mean, that's a really cool thing. And, and as you know, uh, it's like if you buy a house today in Austin, Texas, really hard to cash flow off a long term rental. Yeah. Really hard to do. Yeah. Um, we're not talking like one percent rules. We're talking like 02 percent rules or something like that. It's it's just not good. Um, and so to all of a sudden be able to kind of switch that dynamic and say, huh, I could actually cash flow off this if I did it a little bit differently. Um, and just furnish that house, put a little bit more love into it, take some really great pictures and get people in there, you know, for those 30 plus day long shorts, as we call them. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, you know, like you mentioned, it's really hard to cash flow long-term rentals in Austin. I've seen it work where you do massive rehabs to places, but the thought that keeps going through my head is why, why do the long-term when you can do a, a long short or a medium term, you know, rent it on a yep. basis, make way more money, maybe have someone like you manage it, not have to do anything, and you're making more money. Like, that just, just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's really hard to pay for management, even if you can get a long-term to cash flow. So yeah. if you can get long-term to work, it's probably not going to work with management, so you're going to have to manage it. Or you could do a long short, have Lucas manage it, and not do anything which is awesome. Like, I think what most people are looking for in real estate investing is passive income. Right. A lot of people end up with, with real estate investing is another job. Yeah. It's important to figure out what do you want? What do you need to do to get there? And what's that going to look like? So really like that. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a, it's a cool opportunity to be able to tell, tell people that because I've talked to a lot of people that are just looking at losing money, you know, just being like, well, I guess I'll at least save on taxes, you know, um, uh, at the end of the year, you know, through the depreciation of real estate, you know, but I'm going to lose, you know, 1200 on the actual rental. And it's like, man, that's, that's, that's a tough, tough bullet to swallow when you're kind of, so to have another option, you know, that does work for people is, is awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. So Lucas, why do you choose to do this in the Austin area? Obviously you live here, but you know enough people that do it outside of 
where they live that I know you could do the same thing. So why are you investing in Austin and running short-term rentals in Austin, the central Texas area? Yeah. So, I mean, I do have rentals in San Antonio as well. Um, I like that market. Um, I actually like that market a little bit more in terms of like appreciation at this point. Like if you ask me today, uh, you know, where, where I should buy, um, like I can get you a, you know, $500,000, 2000 square foot, beautiful house with a swimming pool for 500 K, um, that we can probably do 10 K a month off of. Um, so that's kind of what I'm telling people right now, but, um, uh, so, so I'll, I'll, I'll do both ends of that sword. So why I love Austin and, and why it's hard to compare to, to like a San Antonio to an Austin is because of the rates that you get. So like when there's a lot of big groups that come in here and there's a lot of people willing to pay money to come to Austin to travel. So, you know, when my journey began with my own personal home, you know, I listed that thing and I'm like, man, if I can get like 600 bucks a weekend, then that'll be, you know, so six, 12, eight, so that'd be $2,400 a month. Like that would be killer. You know, I'm like, that would be absolutely amazing. And so that's what I did. I listed it for 300 bucks a night and, you know, it was going well. And then I'm like, well, what about 400? What about 500? <laughs> you know? So now when we leave, you know, we're anywhere between $700 a night to $1,200 a night. So, you know, that's, that's a big, that's a, that's a big thing for us um, to be able to leave and for sure be able to cash flow, you know, $1,000, $1,500, you know, in a weekend. So this weekend we're going to Mexico, we'll rent out our place. Um, and I think, I don't know what we got, I think 1400 for the weekend. So like, that's, that's pretty amazing. And so, so those are the kind of rates that we see in Austin, um, which is why it, it's, it's just an awesome market to be in. Now, do you have to deal with people that are parting? Yep. Most people are going to come to party on sixth street and have to deal with a lot of bachelor bachelorette parties. Yep. Just had a swimming pool that was put up in my backyard and then was flooded in my neighbor's yard. So there's stuff that you have to deal with within that. But for me, um, as the management company, like, and with my own houses, there's no question that it's been worth it. Like there's just, I mean, I have a house right now in Austin that I'm managing for someone else and we're doing 25 K a month. Whoa. So, so those are really, really big numbers and you don't need that many properties when you're, when you're making that sort of cash flow. So, so, you know, that's not a typical house. That's not, but, but I'll just give you like the typical four bedroom in the Austin radius. It's going to be, you know, about 10 K a month. Um, so, so that's why I like Austin, Texas. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many reasons to come here to travel. Obviously we're huge for bachelor and bachelorette parties. There's tons of conferences that come here. There's tons of events. There's just all these reasons that people are coming to Austin. Only if they'd make that airport a little bigger, I think we'd have more and more reasons people come. Yeah, yeah, man, I'd love love some direct flights out of here. <laughs> it would be, be nice. Uh, so yeah, we have you know next month is the is the biggest month for Austin because we have ACL weekend one, ACL weekend two, uh, F one. So you can do a minimum for those stays where you make it okay. You have to stay all four days. You know we're going to do twelve hundred a night. Um, so that's what we do for ACL. So we'll bring in, you know, four to $5,000 for each weekend of those. 
And then F1, you can actually even go a little bit higher. We're, we're out in that direction with a lot of ballers. So um, then you're talking more like 1500 a night, you know? And so all of a sudden you're looking at your month and you're going, Oh wow. Like, so we, we, we rented a place downtown for the month. We're going to live in an apartment for 30 days and we'll rent our place out. We'll do about, you know, 14 K off our house. Um, you know, our mortgage is 2000 and then, uh, the place that we're renting is 2,500. So we're 4,500 all in, you know, doing 14 K on our house. So we'll be 10 K plus for October. Wow. And so I said this on Diego's podcast yesterday, and I really want to say this today is like, this is where I get really passionate for other people. And when I think about like, uh, you know, so many people that struggle, they talk to me like, man, I don't have extra money to do anything. Like, you know, my kids, like I can't send them to this or we can't travel or whatever that might be. So, so why not this? Why not rent out your place for a weekend? Right. Like why not go through that energy to put your, put your family or your, or just you, whoever it is somewhere else for a month and, you know, and, and, tr- and try to cash flow in that way. Cause it's completely possible. And what could that extra $10,000 do for you? Because I know, especially, you know, three, four five years ago for me, like when you're talking 10 K, I mean, that's what I was trying to save in the entire year. If I like, chop down everything, you know, like, I'm, I mean, I used to be the Groupon master coupon saver, like cheapest dude. I had to, man, I was a social worker, you know, I was making 26, $30,000 in, in Austin, Texas. So like, you know, 10 K was like, that, that was a ton of money. And so when I think about these people, you know, that I have these conversations with, this is when I get really passionate. And then, and then I get a feed, feedback and they're like, yeah, but I don't want someone to sleep in my bed. I'm like, okay, I get it. I totally get it. But like there, you can have your own sheets. Uh, you can have your own linens. Nicole wanted me to give her a shout out for this. Cause I told her, I didn't tell <laughs> this is her idea that changing the sheets and all that stuff. I would have done that anyways, but she wanted me to say her name. So I did. Uh, so, so how easy is that to do, you know, for your own house um, to, to, to make a little extra income and what could you, what could that do for your family? So. Yeah, I, absolutely. That's what I hear from everybody. You know, exactly what you said. Well, I don't know. I don't want any other people in my space, like lock some stuff up, change yeah. your sheets on your stuff. So it's so cheap to get that little locking handle for your door. What's that? Right. 30 bucks. Yeah. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. And I mean, do you sleep in hotels? Like you're, 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 then you're okay with sharing beds. That's for sure. You know? Yeah. And so, um, and, and I, I get like people have different priorities and values. So if it's just not in your value system to do that, that's okay. But then I'll, like, I'm just saying that when you have that conversation, you're like, man, I just don't have any extra money. And I'm telling you, you can make an extra 10 K or five K. Uh, and then you put that somewhere else to invest in like, 
that, that that's a really good starting point to be at and you're deciding not to do that. So I think you also have to take responsibility for that decision to say, this is something I could do to make additional income that I'm not going to do because of, because of this other thing that I value more. So. Yeah, no, I really think when you say that out loud, like, Hey, me having extra money and not being stressed about money is not as important as me having my own space and never having anybody else in it. It right. starts to sound kind of silly. You're like, well, maybe I am okay with not being stressed about money to let somebody sleep in my bed for a couple nights and yeah. new sheets. So, you know, my first experience with Airbnb, I had a duplex that I lived in. I had the upstairs rented. It was a two-story two duplex. I had the downstairs where we lived. I had a friend in one of the rooms. This was in Minneapolis, Minnesota, so fairly cold. Um, we had a porch that was big enough to fit a full bed on. <laughs> I knew. I was remembering this story. I'm like, I hope he tells this story. This is awesome. And I thought, man, this is big enough for a bed. What are we doing here? Like, <laughs> almost break even on this property, but I want some extra money. Yeah, at the time, yeah. I wasn't making a ton of money. So I furnished it. I made it look great. I put multiple heaters in there and made 400 to 500 bucks a month. Off that of, is so awesome, man. Yeah, off of the house that I lived in. So not only was I living completely for free, but every month I made an extra 500 bucks. So I think you got to ask yourself, how much do I not like the situation I'm in and how much do I want to be out of it? And then if all you have to do is live in a house with roommates for a little bit or Airbnb your house when you're not in it, which is so much yeah. easier. Yep. How easy is that? Airbnb yeah. is so much easier than house hacking. You get to have all your own space and then you just leave for a couple of days, rent it out to somebody else. House hacking, yeah, you might be sharing space with other people or in our case, you're sharing a wall with somebody else, which isn't a big deal. It's like, hey, would you live in a townhome or a condo? Oh yeah, sure. Well, you won't live in a duplex that you mm -hmm. own, but you get to capture all the benefits of house hacking, home ownership. I made hundreds of thousands of dollars off house hacking. All I've done is live in duplexes. I haven't done anything special. But That's wild, man. That's so wild. And I'll just say, like, if you ever need, if someone's like, well, how did you know you're an entrepreneur? Like, just tell them that story. And like, no one will question ever like that. You're an entrepreneur, like through and through to the bone, man. Go on your gravestone. Like, I rented out my patio for Airbnb. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. And, and even then I learned, which I'm sure you've learned, that the longer stay guests are way easier. And I thought, hey, you know, I don't really want people in here nightly because I live here. I don't want a new person coming in every night partying in my yeah. back porch. So right. we did 10 day plus stays on that room. And nice. we had cool dudes. We had a dude from Germany. We had a guy from Thailand. We had a guy that was a music producer, all sorts of really cool guys that we hung out with at our house. My roommate and I, would hang out with these guys and had a great time. So that's cool, man. That reminds me of like the couch surfing from back in the day. Like I, yeah. I, I did a couple couch surfing experiences down in Central America. And I was just wondering the other day and I haven't done it to just see if that site even exists anymore. Cause there's, you know, probably that was like a free stay. Right. And now everyone probably Airbnb. So, um, yeah. Yeah. No, a lot of fun, man. Airbnb can be a ton of fun. Um, so what attracted you initially to real estate investing, Lucas? Obviously, you figured out how to get out of your W-2, how to make more money, how to have more control over your life. But what initially 
pushed you towards real estate rather than let's say stock investing or anything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I probably more of like the the people to people interactions that you still have. You know, just mm-hmm. being the being the extrovert. You know. Um, and honestly, I mean, and part of it is just falling into it. Right. It's like, again, like, I mean, I had my house, I didn't know still when I moved in, what I was going to do with it. If I was going to house hack, you know, and just have roommates, or if I was going to do Airbnb, I had a similar, you know, Airbnb experience as you, I had an apartment that I had rented out for South by Southwest before and made a fair amount of money off of it. Um, uh, which of course was legal. Um, yeah. everything was permitted. Um, and, uh, and so I kind of had that experience. And so all of a sudden when I'm doing all of a sudden, when those rates are going up, like I was saying, and now I'm doing, you know, a thousand dollars a weekend, I'm like, well, man, now that's 4k, you know, and all I'm doing is leaving my house for the weekend. And then I met a special lady at the same time. So I had a place to go, you know, so it's really easy to get out every weekend. So now I'm doing four or 5,000 a month. It's like, oh man, this is pretty cool. So, um, so yeah, I joined a mastermind group called M1, and you know, in that group, a lot of people were doing just doing a bunch of different things, you know. Um, but a lot of it was real estate driven, and you know, if you look at most wealthy people's portfolio, I mean, there's something to do with real estate in that, right? So, um, so yeah, I just, I, I stuck in that group for a while and was putting in the work and just kind of like, you know, there wasn't a lot of stuff that was speaking to me. Some people were doing like, uh, you know, foreclosures and tax deeds and this and that. And I'm just like, yeah, I just don't love any of it. Wholesaling. Um, and then they started talking about this, like rent arbitrage model. And they're like, well, you can just like go to a homeowner and be like, Hey, I want to rent your house and then I'm going to rent it on Airbnb. And, um, and so when, when I heard about that, I, that was just really exciting for me, um, to, to think about now being in an investment with very little, uh, money into that, um, where I'm cash flowing and I have zero liability. So that was kind of a, a pivotal moment for me of he- hearing that. And, you know, shortly after that, um, then, then I was able to pick up my first kind of rent arbitrage, um, and now I'm cash flowing you know, I don't know, 1500 to 2500 a month off of a place, again, that I invested $3,000 in um, is not mine. I have zero liability. It's a pretty cool deal, right? I mean, that's a that's a pretty good ROI when you invest $3,000 and you're making uh, $25,000 a year off of it. <laughs> um, so That's awesome, man. Um, so-, um, so yeah, I would say the people, you know, the, the wealth. Um, and I've always liked stuff that I'm passionate about and I'm a huge traveler. So like for me to be able to provide that for other people is, is really awesome. And so like, <clears throat> I keep holding on to like the messaging part of the Airbnb stuff, which I should really just have a VA doing because I actually still love like communicating with my guests and making sure they're having a great stay and that they're building the memories they want to with their family. And, you know, they're getting, getting what they thought out of our property. So I would say, you know, all of that kind of came together, you know, where it was kind of passion um, meets uh, opportunity. That's awesome. Um, I think that's important with, let's just stay on real estate. So if you're looking to be a real estate investor, like you said, talk about M1, 
there's so many different avenues you can go and be a real estate investor. You can be a wholesaler. You can buy and hold single family houses. You can buy and hold small multifamily. You can buy and hold any range of large multifamily. So five to 10, 10 to 50, 50 to 100, 100 plus unit. So many different places to be, Airbnb, all this stuff. I think that you found something that you really enjoy doing. You were talking about you like talking to the guests. Some right. people will hate that. Hate that. Correct. <laughs> but you said, hey, I like doing this. Yeah. Making good money doing this. Let's go all in on this. And that's what's important. I think that's how you can be successful and why you were successful. Because you said, hey, this works for me. And I like doing this. So I'm going to go all in on it. That's just as important as finding the right thing. It's just finding a thing that works for you and going all in on it. You know? Yeah. It's not so important that you find just the right, perfect thing. You know, there might be something that's slightly more profitable that you hate doing. Right. And you're not going to focus on it because of that. So that's really cool. Yeah. And, and when I think about, you know, a lot of people are like, well, what's next? Where do you want to bring this? You know, I'm like, I don't, I don't necessarily know 100%, but I know that um, I have something I really love and I want to build that company out and, um, you know, for me, my most important thing is freedom. And so time freedom. So I definitely want to, you know, ha have something, have this business running where I'm putting five or 10 hours into it, if, if that a week. Um, and then I can take that cash flow and maybe just put it into other people's deals for real estate investing. Right. It's like, I, I just, man, like everyone around us is doing multifamily, you know, and I see it and I'm like, it's awesome. You guys are crushing it. And I have very little interest to do it. I don't know why. I just, I'm just not drawn to it. But like, I would love to get into a syndication where I'm, you know, a passive investor in that and let these guys do what they do and crunch the numbers and be that analytical. Um, so, so it's, it's going to be cool to see, you know, what I can do with these income streams. You know, I have a really solid income stream coming in. So then, then what, what comes next? And I don't know exactly what that'll look like. Um, but I'm pretty sure it'll be within real estate investing. Um, and I don't know if that, if it'll just be something passive, you know, if I have enough coming in from the business. So. Yeah, no, I think that's really important to understand and recognize is that maybe you don't want to be the guy doing this stuff. I see, think everybody else says, oh, I want to be out there doing the deals and getting it done, but maybe you don't, you know, maybe you start doing it and you absolutely hate that. Maybe it's, it's you just, you have some aversion to even doing it so you never get it done. You know, there's so many people that say, oh, I want to do syndication. They've been talking about, I want to do syndication for five years and they're not doing anything. <laughs> Maybe syndication yeah. is not for you. You know, if you really wanted to do syndication, you would have done syndication. You really wanted to go to Ben and Jerry's. You went to Ben and Jerry's the next day and made it happen. You know, yeah. you know, if something's that hard for you to mentally get into, it might not be for you. I don't want to discourage anybody from doing anything because you might just need to go do it. You know, there's so many different things there, but I think for me, I'm in the similar place that you are. I wanted to do everything myself. Now I, I want to do certain things with partners and I want to do certain yep. things or just invest with other people. And that's yep. made my life easy and light and fun. And that's what I want. 
So it's, it's couldn't agree more, man. And uh, finding those right partnerships is pretty incredible, right? When you can yeah. just find that 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 pair where it's like, well, I don't really want to do this. And you're like, well, I don't really want to do this. It's like, well, let's partner on a thing because yeah. it sounds like we're, we're we're you know both both on the same train here. So, so you talked about where you kind of strayed from the path a little bit. You talked about a wholesale deal you did. Can you tell yeah. us about how that came about and what happened there? Yeah, you know, honestly, the the cool thing about that story is there's not a lot to it besides the fact that I surrounded myself with really successful people and really knowledgeable people, and I put myself in those rooms. And so when an opportunity basically literally came, like came knocking at my door, like I just opened that door up. And that, you know, that was it. Like I wasn't out there searching. I wasn't trying to find a wholesale deal. I wasn't marketing. I just was talking to, to a guy being who I am, being friendly, you know, and shooting the shit and hear that he has a few, few lots in Austin. He didn't know what to do with them. And so having the network that I had, I said, well, Hey man, I might be able to help you, you know, pair you up with a developer that can build on those lots. Is that something you're interested in? Yeah, that would be great. You know, he's a Spanish speaker, so he didn't, you know, uh, he's a, a restaurant owner. Um, so, he, I mean, he was just like so busy, man. He's like, he told me how much they were doing a day in tacos. Like, it was crazy. He's doing like, I don't know, it was it was some absurd amount. Like, I think like he sold like $20,000 in tacos a week or day or, you know, it was just like the numbers he was telling me, I'm like, man, you should stick to that. Like yeah. you are crushing it, uh, in the taco, taco business. And so he had like three trucks around Austin, very successful there in Waco as well. He just didn't have time or the energy to think about like, what could I do for this? How can I maximize this land? And so I was able to step in and just say, well, I'll do the work for you, man. I'll, I'll find the investors. I'll bring them, you know, what's the price point you want to be at. I think he tripled his money from what he bought it at. Um, you know, and I was able to walk away with a huge, huge wholesale of a six, you know, six figure deal for myself as well. So there's a lot there in the pie and the investors were happy. So it was one of those deals where everyone walked away and felt pretty darn good about it. Um, which is, which is pretty cool. So again, like, that comes down to like, well, that dude's really lucky, man. I wish a wholesale would fall on my lap, you know, but like, has it, has that opportunity come up, but you just didn't know what to do with it. So I really think that there, that was a huge blessing and very lucky, but also, you know, it was because of the energy I'd put in the last three years of being able to say, Hmm, I can call the guy and know that, um, that does this. He's a developer. He builds on these lots. I can figure out how much can, how much can we build on these? Like, where should we price that? How do I do that? Where do I get this contract from? Well, who can do these types of loans? Who can do these types of contracts? So it was like just walking through that process and using my network. And without that network, man, I would have been so lost and overwhelmed. I would have just given up, you know? So. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I really like that story. Um, I know there's a lot, a lot to that story, but you know, I think just being open and, and running into opportunities when you see them is really important. You know, yeah, you would wouldn't have been able to do anything with that had you not known the right people. You're out there meeting people, you're out there networking. And you said, Oh, I, I talked to XYZ that does this, I know these people that want this, and just put it all together there. 
Um, yeah. And the last thing I'll say about that story is just like the adversity that I had to face through that. So there's a, there's a ton to that story. Right. But like, I mean, there's five different times where I was hundred percent sure that deal was not going to happen. Right. I mean, I had five different people tell me like, dude, you're only going to get, you know, a hundred and forty thousand dollars for that lot you know and i had it under contract for like 100k a lot i'm like oh shit like I, you know that's not good you know i had then then the city came in and said you know there's easements and you can only build this much and only can do that and then you know i had a group that decided to do it and then they walked away because of some other uh something to do with the deed and not being able to to, to, to put the structures that they wanted in it. So, I mean, this was like a f- fell and then fell and then fell. And then finally, you know, just put it out to the world and believe in you and just see what happens. And, and the right developer came around at the right time and, you know, everything ended up working out at the end. So, you know, it wasn't, wasn't just like this happy go lucky, easy deal. Um, finding it was, but then to actually get that thing sold, like, you know, it took, took, took my entire network and, um, a couple gray hairs, um, a few anxiety attacks and, uh, and, and we got it done. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wish I could say that that doesn't happen a lot in real estate transactions, but you know, <laughs> yeah, part of the game. Um, real quick, Lucas, can you tell us about a bad Airbnb you see that happens a lot of times in Austin. So let's say somebody's, uh, let me clarify. Somebody's looking to do an Airbnb in Austin. What's one thing you would tell them not to do? Obviously you need to do it in a certain way with the city, but beyond that, when you're buying an Airbnb property, what works great? What works terribly? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, it's, it's definitely hard with general rules for Airbnb because there's a lot of like, so here's what I do when I look at Airbnbs. You look at location, right? So that's that's one of the first things is, is this close to something that people want to be by? Two, I always look at just like, how are these pictures going to show out? Like, is this is this going to be a place that's going to photograph well? That people are going to say like, man, that looks really comfortable and cool. And three, is it by something where, there are, where there's events, which kind of goes back to one, right? It's like location. And then four, is there something special about that house that's going to draw people in? So like when I, a lot of people will be like, well, I'm going to look out in the hill country. Right. And then they look out in the hill country, but they're like buying in a suburban community where they're like right next to houses. And I'm like, well, what's going to draw someone out to like Lakeway in a small community, you know, where you're not by water, you don't have a view. And so now you're just like outside of the city and you're in a regular house. Like to me, that doesn't have like an Airbnb vibe. So like, as I was just helping one of our, our buddies, Gabe, like look for a house, like we're looking, you know, in the, in the surrounding Austin areas, we looked at Apache shores and he sent me a few different houses and one was a hundred thousand dollars cheaper. And it's actually a little bit bigger, but it had nothing, nothing airbnb about it. You know, it was just like, man, I wouldn't want to spend a vacation there. Like, why am I going to go out of the city to spend time here? And so really just think about like what, what this house has. And again, like if, if sometimes if it's just location, if you're like five blocks from downtown or even 10 minutes from downtown in Austin, that's usually good enough. <laughs> like that, that is enough to bring in a fair amount of cash flow. So, you know, it's really, ha- it's really hard to, and that's why I think, you know, 
people are starting to kind of use me as almost just a consultant to to buy these houses because I think you start to get that eye of like what where are these numbers going to be and what makes this house sell. Um, I do think there needs to be some experience there, but in general, obviously, like you said, think about licensing the first thing, you know, think about location. And then my personal belief is go big if you can, because that's where the big money is. So if you can do a three or four bedroom upwards, that's where I think the the really great numbers are. My concern is like when you're buying a little tiny place, uh, you know, a one bedroom or a two bedroom place, like now you're still kind of competing with hotels. So how are you going to price yourself? especially now with like what cleaners charge for it. So you're talking about like, okay, in a weekend, let's say, let's say you're going to charge two fifty a night for a two bedroom house. So Friday, Saturday, two fifty. your cleaner is going to charge you 80 to a hundred dollars. <throat> so now that's a $600 stay plus all the Airbnb fees, taxes. You're probably at like $670 for that weekend for a guest. So why is that guest going to stay in that two bedroom house? over the JW Marriott downtown that has a swimming pool, a bar downstairs, you know, and, and some people might just really like a house and they might want to stay there. And so, so you might be able to sell that. Um, but again, when I look at those numbers and I'm like, okay, well, 600, you know, and you go through the math or you think about a bigger house for me, um, I think that Airbnb is meant for big groups to be in one place to be able to spend that time together. Mm-hmm. And that's when people are willing to spend the big dollars to do that. Um, and without that big factor, I think that you're always competing against hotels and, and, and you know, other small places. Um, and so I just think there's a lot of competition within, within that realm. So I believe in bigger, bigger single family homes. Yeah. Obviously you have the experience too, to know why this happens. And was this all learned through experience or is this just a theory? Yeah. I mean, some of that's experience, but I mean, a lot of that is just looking at the data, man. You know, when you look at, you know, AirDNA or numbers in general, when you look at, you know, what you can make off a three, four or five bedroom house, I mean, you know, the the numbers are just, uh, they're, they're pretty incredible. So uh, unless you're just completely, your budget just doesn't allow for it. um, That's, that's what I see where the numbers would lead you where you're going to do a little bit better from a cash flow perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like that too. Personally, if I'm going to stay just, just Jessica and I, we're going to stay at a hotel, but if I'm taking friends or family, I want to all be in one yeah. place. That's right. I might rent a three bedroom house. Um, that's where Airbnb really looks attractive to me is we can be in the same place. Maybe there's a hot tub outside. Right. Comfortable, fun. It's a little different. It's more private than having three hotel rooms, maybe in a row. I don't like that. You can't hang out together so much. Yeah. It's just, yeah, Airbnb for me really stands out. But like you said, there is the location. If it's right next to this that I want to be close to and there's an event going on and I don't want to pay $300 a night for a hotel, I might do Airbnb too. But yeah, for me, it's, it's location and it's convenience. So I really like that. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here, and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys.
Yeah. And how often do you find like a one bedroom house that's like, you know, has better location than again, than your, <laughs> than, than a JW down downtown or, you know, domain, whatever, like yeah. to be like in that spot. So, uh, which is why some people are getting into then, you know, the, the, the house hacking or not the house hacking, but like arbitrage with, with apartments. Cause some of those apartments are placed, you know, it right in those downtown areas. Um, so some people are doing really good with that model. Again, I don't, I don't love that model because you're still directly competing with hotels, but I have friends that are crushing it in that, that have a hundred, 200 units. So um, a lot of people have been successful in that space. So I want to talk about a couple specifics with, with Airbnb in Austin. So, um, obviously you talked about licensing. I know you're not an attorney. I know you don't work for the city, but what, what is licensing in Austin and, and how do you deal with that? Yeah, so basically it's pretty straightforward that to be completely licensed for a short-term rental, which means you're renting your house for under 30 days, that it has to be your homestead. So it has to be the place where you are. It has to be your primary residence, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can kind of read that however you want. Um, you can play that however you want. So I have some owners that it's not necessarily their primary residence. Um, but they've kept the primary residence designation on that and you can only have one homestead and they left their homestead on that house. And so we Airbnb their house that way, um, with that license. Um, and so that looks like a $550 fee to, to get that license. And then it's 11% hotel tax. So you're paying the same tax as the Marriott, um, you know, Hilton, that, that stuff. So, uh, so whatever your revenue is for that month, then you're, you know, taking 11% from that. Um, if you're not doing it yourself, you're giving your property management their, their cut, and then you're taking, you know, the net from that basically. So, uh, it can be a little bit tricky to, to look at that system. Um, you know, there, there's some people that do some workarounds, of course, with, with things like that, but in general, that's your, if you're sticking to the book, that's, that's the general rule. Yeah. And so you and a few other people that I work with have found ways around this short-term rental deal. So people are saying, oh, short-term rentals make a ton of money. Um, What do you have to do with the city to do a a short long-term rental? So you don't have to do anything with the city if it's over 30 days. So that's, that's one of the cool things about that. And with the numbers, right? So not only are you not having to do with licensing and going through that process, um, but then you're also not having to take that 11% out. So that's why those 30 plus day rentals or those long shorts, um, you know, the numbers work really well too, even though the occupancy might not be as high because you might have some gaps in between there, then, um, then, then that's kind of an advantage with that. So, and then, you know, then it's up to you um, in terms of risk and, and, you know, how much you, you abide by rules or want to and believe in that. And that's just everyone's personal view. Um, so I'm not here to say one way or another, but I definitely know owners that do a long short, you know, they have a 30 plus day rental. It ends on, you know, September 20th. Well, now they're going to Airbnb at short term for a couple of weeks um, and kind of get that cash flow. Um, you know, the city's pretty slow. It's a uh, bureaucratic, so you're not going to get caught within that or get a ticket or a fine or anything within that short period. And then they'll kind of go back to that. So that's definitely one way um, that, that you can go about that system, just depending on your values. So. Sure. And what type of guests and for what reasons are you doing these long shorts? 
Sure. Yeah. So, so, I mean, as you know, as a, as an agent, right. Like a lot of people are coming here and they're expecting to like, or they were, especially they were expecting just buy a house. And then they're like, Oh wow. Like it's kind of hard to buy a house in Austin, Texas. I've, I've uh, tried to buy five and I've lost and someone, you know, bought cash hundred K over. So so a lot of people are coming here and wanting to buy a house and just aren't at the place where they can yet, or they're just, they're, they're in bidding wars and they're waiting for that. So they kind of need a temporary place where they don't want to set up shop. Um, Austin has a ton of um, consultants. They come in, you know, they get brought in for 30 days or 60 days. Um, we have just a, a lot of people that are new to the city that just don't know where they want to live yet. Right. Um, we have a ton of people that are doing construction on their houses and they tell them it's going to be like three weeks and then six months later, they're still out of their house. Um, and so, you know, a combination of that stuff, but I would say those are probably the main, main people or, uh, or guests that we're seeing for those longer stays. Um, one of mine, I had some guys that are brought in, they work for a solar company. So they're here just for summer, you know, and they're, they're making bank and walking around, but it's three of them. I guess it's four of them now sharing a four bedroom house and Pflugerville, which is, you know, $4,200 a month. Um, and I think that mortgage is only 1700. So those owners are super happy with what I got them. Um, so yeah, so just, just a number of different reasons, but. So where are you advertising for your short longs? Hey man, I can't give away all my secrets, bro. I'm just kidding. I have no, no problem giving out the information. Um, so I still do, you know, the Airbnb, VRBO, and then, um, I'll do Zillow, which posts on hot pads and a couple other companies it owns. And then I'll get on and I'll do, uh, depending on the property, sometimes I'll do the, um, like the nursing sites, you know, there's one called furnished finders. Um, I'll post it in regular Austin, you know, Facebook groups of people looking for rooms or, or places to stay. So I'll pretty much, you know, do whatever it takes to try to get someone in there, you know, between, um, between guests, um, to get that thing filled as, as much as possible. So. Yeah. Love it. Love the, the short, long rental. I think that's a strategy that so many people should take to really boost their cash flow. And then you get to hold on to real estate in Austin while it continues to get more expensive and you get the tax benefits, you get the cash flow, you get to pay down the loan. It's just an awesome deal. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to just watch that market to see if it's, you know, is it going to stay the way it is? Because, you know, I do think a lot of it is from some of the supply issues that we're having. Right. So, I mean, I'm not a hundred percent convinced that this will be, uh, you know, that this will always work this well. You know, the economy is really good. People are getting paid really well. Supply is shit. So, I mean, there's a lot of factors working our way. So I would be careful, you know, it not going underwater, like buying a place and saying like, okay, this has to work at 4,200 or $5,200 a month for short, for, for this long, short rental. Um, unless you're, you know, just trying to buy in Austin for appreciation, which again, typically investors won't recommend that either. But like, um, you know, if the numbers are really close and you're like, yeah, okay, I could do this as a long-term rental and make a hundred bucks a month or, you know, break even and I'm okay with that. But if I do it this way, I'm making a ton more then I'd recommend that. But I do think it's scary if someone's going into a property saying, you know, 
hey, like I'm going to buy this as a 30 plus day rental and it's going to work forever. And uh, if they don't have the means to be able to support that, right? Like everyone has to know where they're at. But if we're talking about someone who's strapped for cash and all of a sudden for four months, they don't have someone that rents their place or they have to drop that a lot. Can you support that? And so just wanted to mention that for risk, but. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. So the most recent place that I'm buying here in South Austin, I analyzed it like it would be a long-term rental, but I don't yep. intend to make it a long-term rental. I intend to. Do I love that, man. That's, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Just, just to make sure you don't get caught with your pants down in trouble. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, man, can't, can't do that. Um, so, you know, just moving on here, do you have, obviously you've, you've got a lot of knowledge. Do you have a favorite business or mindset book that you recommend to people? Maybe people looking to get into short-term rentals. Hmm. Mindset. Um, <clears throat> or get out of their W2. You know, if you're just trying to do some of the stuff you've done, what do you tell people to read? Yeah, I mean, gosh, it's so cliche, man. I mean, I'm sure 95% of people have said it on here, but the first book I still recommend to everyone is Rich Dad Poor Dad. And and I just I just can't stop doing that because, because of my first point. I guess when one of the first points we talked about when people were talking about like, oh, it's my house, you know, like I don't want someone to sleep in my bed. It's like, I think we just the mindset of people just not understanding like assets and liabilities. I, I just think that's so big, you know? And I think as soon as you switch that, especially now that, you know, our circle is, is a lot of the good abundance people, like, like very wealthy people. And yet everything they do in their life, they're still trying to make that an asset typically, you know, even at the point that they're at. And so I just think that understanding. And when I look at, you know, uh, a lot of people that are struggling financially, like that part alone, if they could switch that of saying these shoes that I'm going to buy for $250, this scarf I'm going to buy for a hundred dollars, you know, this name brand thing, this $40,000 car, like these are all liabilities in your life. They're never going to make you money. Right. So, I mean, I think until people understand that, I think real estate investing can be really scary <laughs> because I think they'll just blow their money. So that's why I still stick with that book as the recommendation. Yeah, no, I think exactly like you said, it just helps you change your mindset to move on to understand that, hey, this is what I need to do to get to my goals and this is how I can do it. And yeah. The, the whole assets and liabilities difference of, hey, I don't want my house to drain me. You know, I don't yeah. want to be barely making it by every month just to pay the mortgage payment and have some money to go out and have fun. And, and have my car payment eaten away at me too. I don't have a car payment, barely have a house payment. I, I intend to keep it that way for a while. Yeah, man. And, and you're honestly, and I'm, I'm not saying this just because we're on the, your podcast, but like, you're honestly like the golden child of this, man. Like if you look at how you live, like you, you master this. I mean, if y'all don't know, like Jordan is a very successful investor. Like he has money, like a fair amount of money. And he still lives in a duplex and is doing this house hacking thing. Like he's not just talking about it. This, this guy lives it. And, you know, he doesn't have a car payment. He doesn't have the fancy, like, like every part of your life you've designed to try to create assets, you know, and as many, and as little liabilities you have. So 
I just think that's a huge point that sometimes people just think we're just like blabbing about it. But when you really get around most wealthy people that are really great with money, like, you know, this is what they're doing. They're looking at this all the time and figuring out how to create more assets and, and get rid of their liabilities. So, yeah, I, I just think you're you're a great example of that, man. Better than probably anyone I know. So, so kudos to you. Thanks, man. And I think, you know, for, for people listening, this doesn't mean you have to do this forever. You know, when you've built enough passive income that it more than covers all of your liabilities plus a little bit. Then right. maybe you can go out and buy that nice car. Then maybe you can buy that nice house and do all this stuff. But until you're there, you know, keep the goal the goal. It might take a little while. It might take a few years. It might take five. And what years. do we call that when you get there? Financial freedom, man. Financial freedom, oh, baby. Uh, <laughs> love that. Yeah, love that. It, it's not forever. Nothing's forever. But the choices you make today absolutely determine where you're at in the future. So you guys get to rent out your house and go travel and you make money to do that. How awesome is yep. that? That's yeah, man. I, I, I think it's such a blessing, you know, I, I absolutely love it. And, and, and again, is there stress that comes with that sometimes? Do you, know, do we have to, is it stressful getting all of our stuff in the closet? Yeah. Like there's some work to that. Like it's, it's not like, it's just all awesome, but like, is that worth it to Nicole and I to be able to be at a point where we're financially free? you know, and won't have to do this someday. Yeah. yeah for, for us, that's worth it. So. Yeah. And it can be fun. You guys have fun with it. So I think. Oh, it's great. I mean, we're, yeah, we're, we're going to go party in Mexico for three days, man. It's going to be awesome. When did you, when did you say this is getting published? Uh, probably here in the next few days. So okay. Well, uh, well just don't post it until Monday. Okay. Okay. Perfect. I'm about to say, cause, cause I'm going to come back engaged and it's a surprise. And so. Oh. You can't let this podcast be the reason why. All right. Uh, no problem. <laughs> I'm super excited about that. So I got to say it. Oh, okay. Uh, Lucas. We're live, aren't we? We're live right now. <laughs> that is so amazing. Facebook. Don't worry about it. Oh my God. This is great. Look at how red my face is. That is so awesome. All right. Moving on. How can people get a hold of you to learn more about you, what you're doing? Maybe have you look at some of them, some of yeah. the properties to do Airbnb? Yeah. So if they want to email me, man, um, rentals at uh, five star vacation home rentals.com. Mm-hmm. And that's written out rentals at five, so write that out, not the number, uh, five star vacation home rentals. All right. Last one, most important question I ask here. So I hope you're ready. What's your favorite restaurant in Austin? Most? Ooh. Depends on the mood, man, for sure. Um, but I will go with Odd Duck. The Odd Duck? Yeah. Awesome. I have not had it. been meaning to try it, and I'll definitely check really? it. Really? Oh, man, you got to go. Great, great freaking tapas. Amazing, especially just a really cool happy hour spot to try a bunch of different stuff. So, Absolutely. All right, Lucas, thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, we will talk here soon. Again, if anybody wants to reach out to Lucas, we'll have all of his information in the show notes here, and he would love to talk Airbnb and help you out. Perfect. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate you, buddy.